these uh, short-term missions teams are powerful things. Uh, I, I just am so delighted with how God has just grown the missions ministry at Woodland Hills. We have 18 teams, I believe it is, going out this year and um, doing different things. God uses it to impact whatever culture you go to, but God also uses the culture to impact you. And maybe that's the more important thing. It just, it just uh, adjusts your worldview. And um, so when we have these things come up, consider, pray about uh, being a part of them and then uh, helping them out financially as, as they're going. I'm Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor at Woodland Hills Church. Uh, a couple of announcements. Thank you. I, you guys are in good moods today. I'm glad to see that. Um, a couple of announcements, and then we'll get into the Word. Uh, I want to welcome all you who are visiting for the first time or second time. If you, if you uh, tear out that visitor's bulletin, in, in the v- visitor's information card in the bulletin, and turn it in at the, in the gathering area, you can get some information from the ter- church and a, and a tape and things like that that will let you kind of know more what we're about. Um, if you're here, or, or um, if you, I'll tell you, I missed my, I lost my announcements. They, they, so I'm going, I'm winging it here. Well, here, here's, here, this will help. Please turn off your pagers and phones. Uh, if you have any noisemakers, uh, turn them off. If your children start fussing or your husband or wife start fussing, take them back in the crying room. And uh, that's, what, that's what it's there for. Next screen. Uh, this is the last week to sign up for the Alpha classes. Um, the Alpha thing, yes, it's a, it's a powerful ministry tool that has been raised up here. If you're a new believer or you're thinking about becoming a believer uh, or you have a friend who's a new believer or thinking about becoming a believer, this is really the class for you. It gives a basic introduction to the Christian faith. Uh, you get connected in some relationships, and it's a cool thing, but you've got to sign up this week. Also, we're having the Discovering and Covenant Relationships uh, class on Saturday, April 12th. Or, yeah, April 12th. Uh, we offer this every two months. It's a stepping stone to becoming a covenant partner. And so if you want to become a covenant partner, this is the class to take. Otherwise, just read your bulletin for all other ministry opportunities and needs that are there. Will the ushers come forward? We're going to take up the offering. I'm going to pray for the offering. I'm going to pray for the message. And I want to pray. All right, yeah. I want to pray for the world. The world needs prayer right now, man. So let's pray together. Father. God, as, as your kingdom kids that you have given a unique authority to in the spiritual realm, we cash in some of those authority chips right now in prayer. And we pray a release of peace and wisdom from heaven. Uh, just flood Iraq with it right now. And why don't you cover Afghanistan in the process? God, there's so much just demonic uh, hatred, animosity, thinking stuff going on over there. Lives are being lost. Lord, we just pray that, that somehow, some way, through the influence in the spiritual realm, God, you'd, you'd uh, uh, work to bring this war to a speedy end and minimize the loss of life that's going on here and bring it to its best possible conclusion, Lord. We pray against uh, spiritual forces of evil that are aggravating, uh, aggravating this war, how the enemy delights in the destruction and the mayhem and, and the bondage that is over there. So, Lord, we together do our part in just re- praying a release of your influence in that area and uh, protection for our soldiers, but also minimal loss on, on all sides, Lord, because every life is so precious. Father, we acknowledge that everything we have belongs to you. It's all yours. It's given to us on loan, and we're just stewards. And so, Lord God, we give back this portion that, as you lead us, 
uh, as just a statement of our acknowledgement that you are the rightful owner of it all. And we pray, Lord God, that you would use it to the furthering of your kingdom and that finances would not be an obstacle to attaining the vision that you've given to us here. And as the word goes forward, we pray, Lord God, that you would give it a powerful, spirit-filled anointing that could be used to perhaps, Lord, if need be, take away the calluses on our hearts or the blockages in our ears that keep us from hearing you and and obeying you. Uh, Lord, build your kingdom in our lives and use this word, however it comes forward, use this word to do it. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We're talking here, the, the started last week and we're talking this week about communicating with God. And the excuse we're using is that we're heading into the final five weeks of this Growing in the Spirit campaign. On May 3rd, uh, having challenged all of you to pray about it, we're, we're going to be uh, moving to start a three-year endeavor of raising $9 million to bridge with some ministries in St. Paul and in Minneapolis and building a hospital in Cambodia and uh, building a youth center and paying off a debt that will free up a half a million dollars a year. All of that. And so we're centering on the question, how do you hear from God? And it's not just a question that's important now when we need to be you know, talking to God about our finances. It's a question that's important in every, every day of our life. You, you really can't have a relationship without communication. It's very hard to have a dynamic, loving, passionate, vibrant relationship with someone who you never hear from. Now, the Bible tells us that God is always talking. He's always communicating to us. My sheep will hear my voice, Jesus says. They will follow me. As many as are the children of God, they are led by the Spirit of God, Paul says in Romans 8. Uh, you just get this impression that, that we're to be people who walk in the Spirit, who listen to God, who obey His orders. As many as has, have life from the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5. Uh, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The idea there is every step is coordinated with the Spirit. But that isn't a lot of our experience. And so we're, we're talking about how do, you hear, how do you discern the will of God in areas of our life. Now I want to back into this message a little bit. I just, at the last moment, sort of decided to share something that I believe God put on my heart. I think I heard God say this. I was reading a passage that really hit me that I want to share with you. And this will kind of get us... Uh, backed into the, 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 the topic of communicating with God. It comes from Joshua chapter 3. The children of Israel are on the precipice of uh, the promised land. They're getting ready. They're on the eve of entering into the promised land. They got across the river Jordan somehow, and they're going to face a lot of enemies on the other side. But this is the night before they're going to do it. And just prior to this happening, Joshua says, it says this, Joshua commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant... Now, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament symbolized the presence of God. It was sort of God's teaching tool for them to uh, teach them how to follow God's presence, God's will. And so when, the Ark, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you will set out from your place, follow it, so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. You're going into uncharted territory. If you're keeping in step with the Spirit, chances are you are at least on occasion going to be going into uncharted territory. We only stay in our own territory when we're playing it safe like they did for 40 years. Uh, when, the, the, when the Lord is leading you in, in, in the kingdom, you end up oftentimes going in uncharted territory, doing things you hadn't prepared for. 
So you got to follow the ark. Then Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Three things hit me between the eyes as I was reading this passage. Follow the ark, sanctify yourself, expect great things. You know, there's, the children of Israel at this, at this moment in history, they're at a, they're at a turning point. And this was a defining point for Israel and really for the whole world. In Greek, they have two different words for, for time. One word is chronos, which means normal time. We get the word chronology from it. It means ordinary time. But there's another word, kairos, which means unique time, defining time, a, a God-ordained moment, if you will. All of our decisions have repercussions for ourselves and for others. So every, every decision is important. But in a kairos moment, decisions, the ante is higher. Decisions have a greater impact for ourselves and for others. A kairos moment is one where the decisions you make are going to impact, uh, you know, people uh, maybe throughout the rest of his, history. Israel was in a kairos moment here. They're moving into the promised land, changed Israel forever, and changed the world forever. History is largely strung together by Kairos moments, the decisions that people make in Kairos moments. Alexander the Great crossing Helen's Point uh, into Asia. It changed the course of history. Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon altered the Roman Empire and changed Western civilization. The Allies going into Normandy Beach on June 6, 1944, really rescuing Western civilization from the Nazis. It was a Kairos moment. The ante was higher there. The repercussions were greater there. Our life is largely defined by the decisions we make in kairos moments. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, that's not just like a normal decision. That's going to change you forever. It it has major repercussions. When you're at the altar looking in the eyes of someone else and you say, I do, changes everything forever. You have no idea how much it's going to change you forever. You see, that's a kairos moment. A lot of times the decisions we make uh, in terms of our career or our schooling, it's a kairos moment. It's, it, it alters the direction of our life. I remember uh, the, the, day, the day that I, I changed the direction of my life, a, a kairos moment. I, I had started as a music major at the University of Minnesota. I wanted to be a professional drummer. I was in the jazz ensemble having a good time, but God was dealing with me, and I didn't like it at all. I resisted him for quite some time. But there came a moment at the end of a concert at Northrop Auditorium, 1977, where I just, I couldn't take it any longer. At the end of the concert, walked up to the, the, the band director, Dr. Ben, and I gave him my sticks and I said, you know what, I'm not supposed to be here. And I can't explain it to you, but this isn't where I belong. And that was the last concert I ever played. Changed, changed the course of my life. I just went, got a different major and went down a different track. Kairos moments, defining moments. And the reason I share that is this. I believe that we are in a kairos moment here. Enter into, and not just now, but throughout the week and throughout the next five weeks, imaginatively ask the Lord to help you enter into the ramifications of what we're doing here. The implications, the ripple effects that will be caused. 
by freeing up a half a million dollars a year to spend on people instead of buildings, uh, by building this youth center. Think of the tens, and th- tens of thousands of kids whose lives over the next 20 years will be impacted. Uh, how, how the, what the impact will be for the church in the Twin Cities when we start this bridging thing. And, and uh, uh, the, the lives that will be changed by the, the, can- the, the hospital church in Cambodia. Uh, just run out the movie, 20 years, 30 years, eternally, and you'll see the ramifications. And it's a Kairos moment. It will change us, but it also changes the world. Uh, it, changes, it changes everything. The sobering fact is this. As Israel stood at the edge of the promised land here, they'd been here before. They had a Kairos moment before. They sent spies into the land, and to, 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 God gave them the green light, said, go for it. They sent spies out to say, how should we go for it? They came back, and of the 12 spies, 10 of them said, don't go for it. The giants are, the people are too big, they're too strong, the cities are too fortified, we can't do this. They were looking at the size of their problems rather than looking at the size of their God who can solve their problems. And the result was they chickened out, they didn't go for it, and they died out there in the wilderness, all but two of them. Lives wasted out there in the wilderness where they could have seized the Kairos moment. I want us to seize the Kairos moment. Uh... I'm going to be 46 years old in a couple months. And uh, I, I don't know how many more moments like this we have. I, you know, I don't want to start talking doom and gloom here, but, you know, I, 46 is old. Don't you think 46 is old? June 2nd, by the way, don't forget it. No, it's not old. <laughs> All those over 46 said, ah, you're a young spring chicken. No, it's just like, I, I, I just am amazed. I'm so impressed. It's just hitting me how short life is. It's incredibly short. It's a yawn. It's a flicker of a flame. It's It's gone. And the only thing that matters is the love action impact you have. Uh, what impact do you have? That's the only thing you take with you. Never has been a hearse that had a U-Haul behind it. You don't take any of it with you except that. Isn't that true? I want us to seize the moment. Now, Joshua confronted the Israelites before they went in this time with some words because he didn't want to happen this time what happened last time. And so he says these three things. Sanctify yourself, follow the ark, and expect great things from God. And that's the charge I want to give us here as we're heading down this home stretch. Home stretch. Sanctify yourself. The word means consecrate yourself. Make, make, uh, uh, set, set time apart to be in prayer that God will move the way God wants to move in our midst, that God will light the fire in our hearts, that God will stir up the gift inside of us and and rekindle the passion that will make our, our hearts obedient to him. Pray that God would have his way here. Pray that you will be able to see the ark and follow the ark and, and, and uh, that he'll lead you and direct you in what role you should have in, in this. Sa- I want to challenge us uh, more intently than usual uh, to, for the next five weeks, be consecrated, looking, f- looking forward to this time when we're going to start crossing a, a, a $9 million Jordan, if you will, and we've got three years to do it. It's not an easy task, but we need to be singularly focused towards that, being be consecrated towards that. In fact, I feel led to put this out there. I'd like to call on all who can to fast a meal or a day a week, as the Lord leads you, uh, towards this end, that that God will be moving. It's just a principle in the Bible about fasting and and drawing close to God. Now, some people can do that for medical reasons. Other people shouldn't do it for for food issue reasons. And you can find a different way of of fasting, of setting yourself apart from things. But but for others, I want to encourage us one day a week. 
or at least a meal a week, to be fasting with this goal in mind. Sanctify yourself. Expect God to do wonders. Have faith that God is bigger than the obstacles in front of us. Expect God to move. And the third thing is follow the ark. Wherever the ark leads, even if it's in the the uncharted territory, follow the ark. And that's what we're talking about here. How do you follow the ark? Back then, as a teaching tool, they had a physical ark that represented the presence of God. God was sort of just training them. We're now in the New Testament, and the ark is inside of us, if you will. We walk by the Spirit of God. God leads us and guides us and directs us personally. So the question is, how do you discern the will of God? How do you follow the ark? We talked about three principles last week. I want to talk about another four this week. By way of review, here's what we covered last week. How do you know the will of God? Well, first of all, look at the place where he's already talked to us. That's the word of God. Listen to what God has already said. Whatever God tells you has got to be consistent with what God's already said. Otherwise, that's one good reason for thinking that it's not God telling you it. So the the, the word is the foundation. Listen to what God's already said. Number two, openly seek God. God wants the people who seek him. The seeking is part of the point. He wants uh, us to be pursuing him because that's part of how we mature, how we grow, how we develop a capacity to, to hear from God, how he makes us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we need to be open about it, honestly submitting our lives before him, saying, Lord, it belongs to you. Lead in the way that, you, that, that you'd have me to go. Number three, delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And what we showed last week is this. As we make the Lord the source of our life, the source of our worth, the source of our self-esteem, the meaning, the purpose of our existence, as we become more singularly focused on Him as the source of all that is worthwhile in life, then we find that He gives us what He wants us to desire. He gives us the desires of our heart. And so he'll put on our hearts things that, 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 that lead us in the direction he wants us to go. He dries up desires that he wants to wean us from and leads us to things that he wants us to go in. And so with our hearts focused on the Lord, we can know that the desires that are there are one indication of the direction that he's leading. Listen to what God's already said. Openly seek God and delight in the Lord. And now we come to principle number four, and now we're on new ground. Listen, principle number four is listen to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 19, a rather interesting passage. This is Elisha going up into the mountain where he's been depressed and all sorts of stuff, and so God wants to reveal something to him. And it says here, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Elisha, you're going to see the ark. Then a great, po- great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. That was just wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. That was just an earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. That was just a fire. It was a bad day, but the Lord wasn't in it. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, and the Lord was in the gentle whisper. Interesting thing. 
Last week we talked about this, and I want to go into it all again, but oftentimes we're inclined to get magical in our thinking, and we try to decode earthquakes, try to decode fires, try to decode wind, and, and say, okay, God, you know, what are you saying to me here? And sometimes God gets our attention with those things, but it's a very dangerous thing to try to speculatively infer the will of God based on the circumstances of life. Because you can have a day where there's an earthquake and shattering mountains and wind blowing and fire going on all over the place, and it's just a bad day. God's not in that at all. Uh, but, but the way the, the Lord talks to us more frequently is with this, the, the gentle whispers of our, uh, in, in our heart. Um, uh, people try to just discern, decode like a cryptogram uh, the, the, the flat tire they got or the job that they lost or the breakup that they went through. But sometimes the flat tire is just a flat tire and sometimes the job loss is just a job loss. And uh, sometimes, you know, the circumstances of our life are just there. It's a very dangerous thing to try to decode, tea leaf read, as it will, as it were, the circumstances of our life to, to, and make decisions on that basis, thinking that we can decode the will of God there. It's kind of magical thinking. The way the Spirit more often leads is with a gentle whisper in our minds or in our hearts. It could be an audible voice or it could be a prompting. It could be a hunch, a kind of an inclination, an intuition. But we need to develop the capacity for hearing that and acting on that. Now, part of the problem that we're up against is that we are culturally conditioned by the matrix. Remember the matrix a couple weeks ago? The matrix, the pattern of this world, the pattern of lies that, that uh, condition our thinking. We're taught that everything in our head and everything in our heart is our own doing. A hunch is just a hunch, and a, a whisper is just a whisper. And sometimes a hunch is just a hunch, and a whisper is just a whisper, but sometimes God can use that to talk to us. If we're trained, if we're, if, if we're growing in the capacity to hear that. Um, you know, you, you, get a, you just get a hunch. Uh, something tells you, a whisper. Why don't you call this friend? And you call him up. You don't really know what you're even going to talk about. Turns out they just got some terrible news and need some encouragement. You see, the Lord's saying, call him. Um, there's a, a, a situation here, I, I think I shared it once before, about a year and a half, two years ago, where a person came to the church, was going through some real tough times, was actually living out of their van, and they had $20 to their name, and they had a hunch. Something inside said, put your final $20 in the offering. You got to trust me. The person obeyed and did that. Walks out in the gathering area after the service and someone else got a whisper, a, uh, an inclination, uh, a prompting, if you will, to give that person $20. Didn't know the person. Uh, there's nothing that would indicate the person needed money but had this thing like, I'm supposed to give them $20. Walks up and says, sir, I think you're going to think I'm really, really weird for this, but I'm just trying to be obedient. Here's $20 and I don't know why. You see, we call these kingdom coincidences when God coordinates the, the promptings, the whispers in our hearts with, with other promptings and whispers. And, and there was a magnificent thing in telling this guy that, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. You could trust me on this. It's the body listening to the head. And oftentimes it happens through the gentle whispers of our heart. Uh, nine years ago, Norm uh, came to church, our worship leader, and sang a special. Back in those days, we had special music. And sing a special. And um, as he was singing, I got a prompting on my heart. Just something was saying, this person's supposed to be in worship leading. I didn't know if it was going to be Woodland Hills Church or some other church, but I, I had a sense that he's supposed to be in worship leading. And so I went to him after the service, and I, I didn't say, Thus says the Lord to you, son, today. <laughs> I... 
Sometimes people think that, you know, if it's God, it has to have a quivering voice. God says. If God's in it, he'll work with it. Look, at it. if he whispers to you, you can whisper it to somebody else. You don't need to shout it. God says today. No, so I said, Norm, have you ever thought about, have you ever, have you ever considered being a worship leader? First I asked, well, what do you do for a living? And he says, well, I set these machines. I said, have you ever thought about being a worship leader? And his first response was a kind of a laugh. No, 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 no that, that's not for me. And I, I just said, well, I, you know, would you pray about it? Would you think about it? I don't know where that's going to go or anything, but would you just kind of uh, think about it? You know, I uh, gave him a Ron Cannoli tape and, and just said, can you see yourself doing this? Because I can see you doing that. And um, at first he was kind of, nah, I don't think so. But then he began to pray about it and think about it, and there's a, a prompting began to develop in him. And he called me up a month later and said, can we get together and talk about that? And within a year, he was leading worship here. You see, it, it, it's, it's uh, amen. Praise God. Listen to the promptings in your heart. Uh, the Lord, here's what I find, is that, the Lord's always talking, I believe. I don't think things have ever changed. You, know, you read the Bible and God's saying, go here, do this, whatever. I don't think God's changed. I think we, we've got less adept at listening to him. Uh, one of the ways I find to clear my mind to hear him is if, as I walk in the discipline of blessing people in my mind, we've talked about that, loving people at all times, in all places, in all circumstances, no ifs, ands, and buts. You just love them in your spirit as you're walking down the mall, walking around the mall or, or wherever. You're just saying, Lord, bless that person. They have unsurpassable worth. Lord, you know, thank you for that life there. Bless them in the relationship with their child. And you're just sort of, you're a blessing machine as you're walking, you know, throughout the mall. Oftentimes in those situations, you're more, you're a, more able to clearly discern the, the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you may find all of a sudden a, an inclination, a prompting to, uh, that says, well, why don't you go mow their lawn? You know, why don't you just stop and, and bring your wife home some flowers for, for no apparent reason? Uh, you know, uh, help that person with the groceries. There's a person over there who doesn't have anyone to talk to. You know, go over and talk to them. And it's the way that the Lord leads us and guides us, guides us on a moment-by-moment basis, keeping in step with the Spirit. Clear your mind of other things, and the promptings become more real. And be willing to act on them. Sometimes it's a little strange. We're so used to doing our own thing, thinking our own thoughts, feeling our own feelings, having our own agendas. And it's all always feels kind of weird to go over and give someone $20 and, and you can't explain why. So what? We, we put too much of a high premium on being normal, don't you think? Uh, you know, sometimes God calls us to be a little bit weird. And, and, you know, what have you got to lose? Now, here's the question, and at least to, to, to the fifth point. How do you know when it's God and when it's just you? Million dollar question. How do you know when it's God or it's just you? There are people that seem to, to really know that they know that they know that it's God. Uh, God told me. God, I hardly ever have that sense. It always, I could always doubt it. There's a strong inclination. Well, it could just be me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm okay saying I think it's God, or I feel like God's moving in this direction. But I rarely have this sense like this is absolutely, unquestionably, unequivocally God. Now it could be me. So how do you know? Here's, here, here's the criteria. Ask, what fruit will this act manifest if I act on it? It says this in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And by the way, the fruit there is singular. There's only one fruit. Now here's what it is. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against that stuff, there is no law. 
Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Step, step, step. You get your life from the Spirit? Well, stay in step with the Spirit. And when you do that, the fruit will always be love, joy. Let everything you do, the Bible says, be done in love. In fact, if you're going to do anything, think anything, believe anything, say anything, and you don't have love with it, Paul says, don't think it and say it and believe it. It's worthless. Love's the one thing that makes it worthwhile. So ask yourself this, this question. If I, if I obey this prompting, will it result in the fruit of the Spirit? If not, if, if it's a loveless thing, a joyless thing, a cruel or unkind thing, then it's not of God. But if it is a love, joy, Spirit-filled thing, then that's one indication that it is of God. Now, even if it's not of God, how bad can it be? <laughs> See, I ask the question, if this is just me, will any harm come from it? And, uh, you know, I go to Norm and I say, I think that, you know, have you ever thought about being a worship leader? Because I get a sense that you'd be a, a, a great worship leader. Now, let's say that was just me. Maybe God wasn't in that at all. How much harm came from that, you know? At the very least, Paul or, or, uh, Norm is, is feeling affirmed. He's feeling like, oh, gosh, someone thought I could be a worship leader. And that's, how terrible is that, you see? So ask the question, what consequences would come from it? We were down in Mexico, uh, walking around late at night, 11 o'clock. Uh, everyone's shutting up their shops. They shut it up at 11 o'clock, these Mexican workers, and they always have their kids with them. And as they're sh shutting down at 11 o'clock at night, these kids are playing out in, in this kind of courtyard. Uh, kids who clearly were, were living close to poverty. Uh, we walked by there, and I was just kind of doing a little blessing thing in my mind on them. You know, Lord, bless them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. About a block later, we came upon a vendor who hadn't closed yet, and they were selling these, these uh, they weren't Krispy Kreme donuts, I'll tell you that. But they, they were like these sugar dough greasy things. We ate way too many of them down there. Uh, they tasted great. Didn't land that well, but they tasted great. And, okay, I just had a prompting. Bless the children. I, I just had a prompting. So, you know, I, I told my small group, hey, hey, hold up for a little bit. I'm going to do something. Went to this vendor and said, can I just said, how much do you have left? And he showed me what he had. I said, okay, I'll take them. I got all these little, little crispy things, uh, tasty things. And I ran back a block to the kids. And I just said, hey, you guys want some of these things? I forget what they're called. And uh, the, uh, the first one kind of came up and, and, you know, took one of them. And I said, no, no, they're all for you. And then their eyes bug out. It was, it's worth it. Just, it's so fun to see these little kids like, you know, like this. And, and then they come and surround me and, and they're just like giving a little treat here. Okay. Was that me or was it God? I think it was God, but if it was just me, how demonic was it? <laughs> you know, it's not like, like, see, that's the thing. You know, you're out uh, 100 pesos or whatever it costs. You know, it's, it's a good deed to do, even if, whether it's of God or not. So you ask the question, is this in line with the fruit of the Spirit? Will this manifest the fruit of the Spirit? And if it is, obey it. Go with it. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And many times you'll find that kingdom coincidences come as a result of that. Principle number six. Is, is simply this. Uh, attend to significant pictures and or dreams. What I'd call your inspired imagination. It says this, uh, to give a couple examples of this, Paul in Acts 16. says, During the night Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul didn't just dismiss this as some kind of Freudian burp in his subconscious. He went to Macedonia as a result of it. Okay, then it says in Acts 18, 
One night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent. Interesting stuff here. Throughout the Bible, you find people listening, attending to visions or pictures uh, and dreams as a way that God leads them. I, I can't catalog it all right now, but it's all over the place in the Bible. Often it's not clear. In fact, in this passage, it's not clear whether a person's having a vision or a dream because the word could mean either. The only difference is that a vision is something you see in your mind while you're awake, whereas a dream is something you see in your mind while you're asleep. But both of them are occurring in your mind in what we would today call our imagination. Now, again, we're up against the matrix, the conditioning of our culture, which tells us that our imagination is just our imagination. We even use that phrase, oh, that's just your imagination. Imagination is equated with make-believe, with fantasy and things of that sort. But from a scriptural perspective, the imagination can be one of these main ways that God talks to us. All of our thinking is in images and pictures. Uh, we use it all the time. The question is, is, do we, is it open to something other than our volition? Is it open to the Lord influencing it and giving us directions in this way? In the Bible, you see that people were often moved like this, dreams and visions. Now, some people in this congregation right now, I suspect, are thinking, this sounds flaky. And I'm totally sympathetic to you because you perhaps have seen and I have seen people who get a dream and they, they make life decisions on the basis of that dream and it falls apart or so they get a picture, they get a vision, they get a word or they get a something in their imagination and it's just their imagination but they, they don't have any checks and balances around it so they'll tell you something bizarre or, or they'll do themselves something bizarre I, I've had a, a person have dreams about me, about what I'm supposed to be doing and it just was clear to me that this was not what God was saying. That was just their imagination. And so there's an, some of us get, get kind of paranoid about visions and dreams. Oh no, another vision. I, I had a dream the other day. Well, good. Keep it to yourself, you know. But see, the reality is that God does talk to us through dreams and visions. And that, like anything else, can be abused. But uh, uh, it, that, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In fact, in the Old Testament, you'll find three different places where uh, a, a prophet of God said, you're prophesying out of your imagination. This, this, this doesn't come from God. This isn't a God thing. That's, it's just a you thing. But they don't, for that reason, decide that there aren't going to be any more prophecies, you see? They rather say, no, let's put some checks and balances around it. So here's what I recommend. Recommend. Be open to God giving you a picture, giving you a word, giving you a dream. And if it seems to have a kind of unique significance to it, pay attention to it. But don't make life decisions just on that alone. There needs to be other things around it that support it. And the other things that need to be around it are the criteria that we're talking about here. Does it align with the Word of God? Uh, is it, uh, you know, as you seek the Lord, is it telling you something that you're open to? Is it, uh, does it confirm with your heart's desire? Is there any prompting in your spirit that, that confirms it? Uh, does it bear the fruit of the Spirit if you were to act on it? And as we'll see here in a moment, are there other people in your life who you trust that are confirming that this is something of God? There needs to be checks and balances around it, but having said that, this is a powerful way that God God can lead us and guide us in, in, uh, in keeping in step with the Spirit. To give you one example of this, about four years ago, Janice, our executive pastor, who is 
A person that everyone in this church needs to be more in prayer for, I get covered all the time, uh, but she carries an incredible weight of responsibility and she needs more covering. She's always dealing with sickness and uh, other stuff. So keep Janice Rollings in prayer. Are you here, Janice? We love you. We're going to be praying for you. Uh, she, hey, she's a tremendous person. Osley. Uh, she's just invaluable to this ministry. Well, occasionally in prayer, she gets a picture, uh, a, a, like a vision. And sometimes she shares it and we don't know what to do with it. Other times she shares it and it really lands. Sometimes she shares it and we don't know what to do with it, but later on it lands, okay? And, and there is one of the ways that God has, has used her. About four years ago, she got a vision of this church as a bridge. She saw this bridge, and, and she didn't know what it meant. In fact, it was a very detailed bridge, a very detailed picture. She got over and over again whenever she would pray. Turns out it was a replica of the George Washington Bridge that she had never seen before. It was connecting New Jersey and, and uh, New York. Uh, and on the one side, there's this, all this you know, land and stuff. On the other side, there's all this, this city thing. And as we as a team talked about this and prayed about this and dialogued with and, and other things and grew, um, it became clear that one of the roles that we are to play is a bridge between the city and the suburb. You see, and that, that's what the Lord was telling us. But that vision became kind of a catalyst. We didn't just drop everything we were doing and go to the vision. We, we, we surrounded it with other things and, and grew in it. But it has been used as a catalyst in some profound ways in shaping the identity of this ministry. In fact, the building that we're in now is partly the result of the catalytic role that that vision played uh, uh, earlier. Because this building is right on the, on the border of St. Paul and, and Maplewood, and it was partly because of this uh, identity of us being a bridge between the suburb and the city that we took another look at this building. We'd kind of written this thing off. And uh, we went back to it, and it was $3 million cheaper than it was the last time we looked at it, and yada, 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 and here we are today. You see, it was a, it was a powerful thing. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the um, uh, intensity of our, our passion for racial reconciliation and, and for uh, tearing down walls that, that separate people socially and culturally and economically and denominationally, a lot of the passion for our being a, a church that bridges with other churches, not just in the city, but with other suburban churches, and now uh, uh, networking with them so they will bridge to, to the city, it's, it is in part at least the result of the catalytic role that this bridge vision uh, had created. In fact, two years ago, she got a picture of me and Ephraim standing on the bridge. She came back, she goes, I got a new piece. I said, what's that? Well, I see you and Ephraim standing on the bridge. Now, I, I'd seen enough confirmation of this to think that, okay, she's, you know, this gal's hitting it, so I'm going to go with this. And that's when I began to say out loud here, I probably shouldn't have, but I was saying, you know, I think Ephraim's supposed to, remember I used to say this? Uh, Ephraim's supposed to be here. I, I got a feeling he's supposed to be here. Well, that's why Janice says so, Ephraim. Get over here. But see, Ephraim is a wise guy. Ephraim Smith uh, is, is a wise man. He doesn't just say, oh, since you've got to visit him. He prays and says, Lord, you know, uh, you talk to me. What does this mean in my life? And he had a sense that, th that it's a true thing, but didn't have a sense that my interpretation of it was right. And he was right, and I was wrong. Uh, and I was just kind of floating that out there uh, for the fun of it. I wasn't like staking my life on it. But see, here's the thing that we've learned is, and this is partly why we're, we're as part of this Growing in the Spirit campaign, going to be giving $150,000 to Ephraim to start this church economic foundation in Minneapolis. And then we're going to bridge it over here to St. Paul. And then we're ne networking with other suburban churches so that they will begin to support this thing. And that's part of the whole bridge thing. In other words, what we got is that this bridge thing isn't just about us. It's not just about Woodland Hills Church. And, and, and we're supposed to have a bridge 
bridge relationship with Ephraim, but that doesn't mean on our turf. In fact, a bridge covers two turfs, doesn't it? And so part of the turf we're covering is Minneapolis and St. Paul, and, and now it's turning out even in Cambodia, and so on and so on and so on. We're supposed to be a bridge. And it all goes back, at least to a large degree, to this vision that Janice had. And, and it's been very clear that's how God was speaking. Be open to the pictures, the dreams uh, uh, that, that, that happen to you as you are in prayer. It's one of the ways that God speaks to us. Don't go on it alone. Surround it with other things, but take it seriously and listen to it. And the seventh thing that I'll talk about, this isn't at all exhaustive, but these are, I think, the seven main principles of listening to God. It's very important. It's simply pay attention to the counsel of your community. Pay attention to the counsel of your community. i got to wrap this up fast. Um, here's the thing. God's a social God. Everything God has created operates best when it's done socially, when it's done relationally. You can make an impact in the world as a Lone Ranger, yep, but you know what? If you, if you do it in relationship with other people, you can have far more impact. That's the justification for doing things as a church body. It has more impact. So it is listening to God. It works better when you do it out of relationship. In the early church, you know what the, their, their first major issue was? It was race. The church has always been dealing with race issues. The Jews and the Gentiles weren't getting along. Uh, you know, they had different cultures, different ways of looking at things, and there's all this tension going on. So they called a council. And in Acts 15, we find th- these, these Christians getting together, and they talk, they debate, they dialogue, they pray, and they finally come to a decision about how Jews and Gentiles are going to get along. What things should Gentiles agree to do so they don't offend Jews? That, that was the, the main issue. They sent out this edict of their decision, and James prefaces, prefaces it with this. He says, It has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to impose on you no further burden than this. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, if you read Acts 15, it wasn't like God spoke a word from heaven and anyone got a picture or a vision. It was, they, it was just people talking. And yet at the conclusion, James says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, God used the process of relationship and even conflict management to reveal his will to these people. God intends us, at least in significant decisions, to be doing it in dialogue with others. It always operates best that way. It says in Proverbs that, that, that uh, without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. We need people in in our life. We need relationships with people whose wisdom we trust. And when we're dealing with something, whether it's a prompting we have, a sense that we have, or whatever, invite them in and say, will you pray with me on this? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What do you think? Some of you know that my wife and I recently have... Uh, quite unexpectedly felt called to, to move to the city. And that's not an ethical thing, a moral thing, a, you know, everyone should do it kind of a thing. It's just a desire-changing thing. God changed the desires of our heart. We thought we were going to retire here, and now we're feeling like, no, we're supposed to move to the city. So we've been, uh, you know, kind of driving around the city, trying to sell our house, drive around the city, uh, and, and sense where, God, where, where are you leading us? But we don't do it alone. We, we, we sometimes go down there alone, drive around the neighborhoods and pray and say, God, you know, where are you leading? But we also take our small group with. In fact, the other night we had a caravan kind of just going all around, you know, and we're talking on the radio. Okay, what about this? What about, or on the telephone, on the radio, on the, on the telephone. And, you know, it's, it's not all this, oh, God, stuff. Some of us just, do you like that house or not? You know, it's just, you don't shoot your common sense out with, with, with this. But, uh, but we want others in on the decision. In fact, there was a house that we almost bought. We, we, we got into it. It's like, oh, we really like it. It's so cool. It's an 1890 house, and it looks like, oh, it's so cool and neat. 
And so we brought our, we had a private showing and we brought our whole group over. In fact, we brought a couple other people who knew about buildings over. And so here the, the realtor comes to the door and in walks 20 people. <laughs> what is this, some kind of weird commune or something? But no, there's, see, there's wisdom in counsel. And we walked around the house and we were kind of praying, but we were also kicking the floor and not, you know, how's this house look and stuff. It wasn't like some seance where, don't get a picture of us kind of walking around going, you know. No, it, it was, we were normal, you know, pretty normal anyways. Um, but we're getting counsel here. And afterwards, we all went to the coffee, coffee shop and said, okay, what do you think? What are you getting? And they talked us out of it. And I'm really glad they did because I found out that so you got to understand that I am a zero, less than, a, I'm a negative when it comes to fixing things. My every attempt to fix something breaks it further. If, if something is, it needs fixing, i got to pay for it. That's just the way it operates. And this house needed a lot of fixing. So whatever price you pay for it, you got about, you know, up at another 50% just to get it into livable conditions. But that's something I wouldn't see. You know, I, it, it's, I, I can't tell a broken light from a working light, and I can't fix the one that's broken. It's just, so having counsel here really, you know, redirected us. It, it really spared us some things. On major decisions, I take all these criteria. Think about it as a web. Is it consistent with the word? Are you seeking the Lord? What does your heart say? What does the prompting of the Holy Spirit say? Are you getting a vision, a picture, a word, a, a, a dream perhaps that seems significant about it? Uh, will it bear the fruit of the Spirit? And what do other people in your life whom you trust, what, what do they say about it all? And through this means, this is the language that God talks. This is how we find out where the ark is going. The one thing we haven't talked about is this. All of that will do no good unless there's a heart that says, where the ark goes, I will follow. Are you willing to go in areas that you had not yourself planned on if the ark goes in that direction? I want to leave us with that. Seek the Lord. Be open to these different ways for him talking to us and be willing to obey. Can we close our eyes and pray? I want to say, as, as we're going into prayer, if you're here this morning, can't do it right now, but if you're here this morning and you don't have a communication line open with God because you don't have a relationship with God, the first step is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And at the end of the service, over on my right, there's a table and some people will be over there and they'd love to talk to you about how easy that is to do and what a kairos moment that is to do because it changes your life forever. And also, the, the altar will be open for others who need to spend some time in prayer uh, a, a, as we're dismissed. And we're going to have our last information meeting here at about 1.15, 1.30 for those who have signed up for that. But Father, as we go out of this place, I would pray, God, that we would be sheep who can hear the shepherd's voice, soldiers who can hear the captain's voice, children of God who can hear the Spirit's voice. And Father, give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see and the heart to obey. Lord, we know that we will never be the radical, sold-out, abandoned disciples you've called us to be if we just do our own gig in this world. We always play it safe. But Father, move us to color outside the lines, to go across the Jordan, to think of life's problems not in terms of how big the problem is, but in terms of how big you are, to seize the Kairos moments that change us and change the world, and to act boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. We love you. God bless you. Go forth and listen to God.